Welcome to TMI, a podcast from Henry Ford Allegiance Health. Today we have another podcast. It's been a little while since it we've has. done this. We're back at it though. We're socially distanced in the studio here. Mm-hmm. So the topic that we're going to be talking about this week is not necessarily COVID related, right. but it has to do with something that is a pretty big, important topic. Yep. Um, it's sepsis. Mm-hmm. To be honest, until I started working here, I really didn't know much about sepsis. Um, and since, obviously, I started working with this service line, I've learned quite a bit about mm-hmm. it. So um, I'm pretty excited. We've got um, Dr. Michael Phil from Henry Ford Allegiance Emergency Department, who is the physician champion mm-hmm. for our sepsis unit. So, Dr. Phil, thank you for joining us. Thank you both for having me. It's yeah. great to be here. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Phil. Um, I also was interested in this topic because uh, a few years back, I have a family member who went into the hospital for routine surgery and developed some complications. Then they ended up developing sepsis while they were in a hospital. They eventually were transferred to the Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit um, for some specific sepsis care, but that was a scary experience, and they've had issues ever since then. They've had to have organ transplants and a whole host of other things, and I didn't know about sepsis before that, and it was just something that really surprised me, that there's this topic that's so important, but often gets overlooked. Um, So Mm -hmm. could you, Dr. Phil, could you tell us a little bit about um, what you do with the health system and how you um, work Absolutely. with Absolutely. So I'm the vice chair of the emergency department. I'm also the medical director for medical control in Jackson County, which oversees the um, EMS services um, in the county. Um, I'm also the uh, co-chair of the sepsis committee with Kim Campbell, our emergency uh services director for nursing. Um, and I've been in that role probably about a year-ish now, um, but I've been a part of the sepsis committee for several years um, through my work with EMS. Great. That's great. So can you, for those who don't really know, can you just give us a general idea of what is sepsis? Sure. So sepsis is the body's uh, dysregulated response to infection. So kind of what that means in layman's terms a bit is the the body gets infection and we all have um, immune systems that are meant to fight it off. And for whatever reason in sepsis, the immune system does not respond appropriately. And because of all those events, it can lead to other issues, um, even shock where people have end organ dysfunction, meaning their organs don't act right. And and eventually that could lead to death. Wow. Yeah. Who is most vulnerable to sepsis? So it's mostly the extremes of age. So typically we think about our elderly population for mm-hmm. sure. Also those um, younger uh, infants less than a year um, mm-hmm. of age. Anybody who's immunocompromised, so people who are undergoing chemotherapy, for example, for cancer, Mm -hmm. or even uh, people with a history of diabetes have some um, immunocompromised state, um, meaning their immune system doesn't function quite right um, for those reasons. Um, Also, the patients we uh, say have comorbidities, meaning they have other health conditions that may be prevent them from responding to infections normally. Um, One of the big things would be COPD or emphysema. Um, Another thing would be um, end-stage renal disease, people who are on dialysis. Um, Yeah. So with my experience with sepsis, I was surprised at how quickly everything unfolded, how just 
rapidly sepsis took hold. So what is the time frame for sepsis or what are the general rules there? Well, you guys said you weren't going to ask any hard questions. That's a <laughs> difficult one. Yeah. Um, but all joking aside, it's, it's really different for every specific person. And a lot of our other disease processes we know, like, for example, heart attack. We know if we don't get somebody into the cath lab within 90 minutes, they fare worse. And that's kind of the magic um, time frame there. But with sepsis, there's no real golden to say, like, you have to get treated within six hours. Everybody's a little bit different. So for one person, they might kind of uh, smolder for a little while and other people may have um, a very robust response to sepsis and um, do very poorly very quickly. But for sepsis, there are um, several symptoms to watch for. And um, <clears throat> what we always think of is the, um, the signs of infection that we would normally think of. So anybody with a high fever or a high heart rate, shortness of breath is also a, a big sign and symptom that you could be becoming septic. Um, confusion. Confusion is a, a big one, especially, and we talked about the extremes of age. Um, and a lot of times in your uh, elderly people, that might be the only symptom. Wow. So mm -hmm. if um, you, one of your loved ones is not acting quite right, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, they could be septic. That could be the only thing you see. And so it's important to get them uh, health care very quickly. Is it possible? And, and it sounds kind of scary to be able to tell the difference between like sepsis or another type of infection or something else that's going on. Um, so other than, so what's Basically, if you are concerned that someone might be septic, what's what are we supposed to do? Get to the emergency room? Do you call 911? The best thing to do would be to get to the emergency to, uh, room or uh, contact some healthcare professional as soon as possible. Gotcha. And just say that you're concerned that someone might be septic? Correct. Gotcha. Is it possible at all to prevent sepsis? The only way really to prevent sepsis itself is to prevent getting an infection. Um, so, of course, now you said this was a non-COVID podcast, but a lot of the precautions we take right. for COVID are good right. for other diseases too, such as hand washing, uh, keeping your distance, staying home when you're sick, those type of things um, can certainly be applied to sepsis as well. Um, but the other thing is to stay healthy in general. We know that... Um, the comorbidities, like I talked about before, um, are very serious when it comes to sepsis, and those people tend to do a bit poorer. So maintaining your general health would be the best way to, to prevent uh, sepsis. Since we did bring it up, um, is there any way the sepsis and um, COVID-19 are related? Do they come hand in hand, or are you more apt to get sepsis <clears throat> if you have COVID-19? We don't really know if you have COVID if you're more likely to get sepsis, mm -hmm. but certainly, um, se so sepsis itself is not necessarily a disease like COVID-19, but certainly COVID-19 could cause sepsis. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, so is there anything specific that we as a health organization are doing to help prevent sepsis or treat sepsis in a unique way? Um, quite a bit, actually, and that's a, that's a great question. Um, so we really do, our health system's great um, in this regard, and it's a very uh, team-based approach. 
Um, so we work across disciplines, across um, floors, and um, with nursing, uh, administration, all these things to uh, to help care for the septic patients. And it starts um, with our emergency department. Um, one thing that's really neat about our health system is we've empowered our nursing staff. If they see some of those signs and symptoms of sepsis, we have a mm-hmm. checklist to go down, and they may notice some of those things even before a physician uh, has time to evaluate them, and they can start the treatment uh, uh-huh. early by um, doing what we call advancing, advanced triaging some orders or some uh-huh. treatments uh, for these patients as soon as they enter the emergency department. The other thing we do very well, I think, is once some of those things are resulted and once we think, okay, this person truly could be septic, is we have what we call our huddle. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a good time for everybody to kind of take a time out. The staff caring for the patient gets together, and it may be brief. It may be a little bit more extensive depending on the acuity of the patient, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk about it. Okay, did we start the antibiotics? Did we give the patient the appropriate amount of fluids? Are all the labs we needed ordered? Things like that. Um, And once we, uh, if we do determine the patient is septic and they need certain treatments, we have what we call a sepsis unit in the hospital. So if that person needs to be admitted, they can go to a dedicated floor in the hospital where the nurses are very well trained on sepsis and they're very familiar with the treatments that need to be in place and the uh, volumes of fluids that need to be given um, and even the discharge planning afterwards that needs to be done because that's the other key is once patients are stabilized and they're ready to go home, they may need to have other treatments. They may need to have follow-up with their family physician. They may need to have prescriptions picked up at the pharmacy so they can assist with all of those things as well. Yeah. Wow. It sounds a little bit like maybe an intensive care unit. How, how is it different than that kind of concept? So um, it's a little bit different in that the intensive care unit, um, the nursing ratios are a little bit different. Those Mm -hmm. patients typically are quite sick. And obviously, as we all know, patients who do get septic can be very sick. Mm -hmm. And some Mm -hmm. of them do need to go to the intensive care unit for some time to get even further stabilized. Um, This unit is more of a in-between unit between um, somebody who's ICU level of care and somebody who's maybe um, what we call general medical care mm-hmm. um, or maybe not quite as sick. Um, and that way they can get the appropriate treatment and have staff that's very dedicated to that, uh, that condition. That's such a, awesome. such a great idea, yeah. Um, is this something that a lot of hospitals have or is it kind of a unique thing for us? It's a very unique thing to Jackson. I'm sure there's a few hospitals out there that have similar. I'm not aware of any in the area that do. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. I remember hearing uh, our hospital was recently um, received the magnet certification. Mm-hmm. And that was the sepsis unit was one of the specific things that they were talking about that made us such a unique place for people to work and our care with the community. So it's cool to be yeah. someplace that's thinking differently and um, doing things like that. Absolutely. That's awesome. So in our sepsis unit, about how many patients a year do you think um, that would typically come through there? Roughly 700. Wow. Yes. So, oh, that's a lot higher than I expected. Yes, two-ish a day you <laughs> okay. would think would be getting admitted there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then, so how do like readmission and mortality rates compare with <clears throat> national averages? Sure. 
So I, I'll have to look. We're getting, because the it's, <laughs> getting into the numbers, and I apologize for not having them memorized. But That's actually, okay. our health system does very well compared to uh, national mm -hmm. averages. So the um, mortality rate, which is um, where you know people who actually die from sepsis, mm -hmm. nationally is about twenty-five to thirty-five percent somewhere wow. around there for the twenty twenty going forward. And these are pretty up-to-date statistics about as of about a week ago. Nine point seven percent for our hospital. Wow. So we're doing very oh well. That's and great. I think yeah. it's all these things we have in place. That's wow. fantastic. Um, so obviously then that's, what else, is there anything else that you can attribute to making our rates so much better than the national average? Just all of the checks and kind of <laughs> I think it's all the have. checks and all those checks help to keep it on the forefront of everyone's mind. And I think by doing those things, one of the things we do know about sepsis is if you treat it early, um, they, people tend to do better. So I think having all those checklists in place um, certainly help uh, get the treatment uh, early. And we have a very involved, like I said, sepsis administration. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't miss mentioned Colleen Drolet, who's our sepsis coordinator, who does yep. a great job with um, all of our follow-ups and things like that. And even our committee does work, like I, I brought it up before, something as simple as you wouldn't even think, but we noticed where we store the antibiotics actually made a big difference mm. in when the patients got the antibiotics. Oh, interesting. So we actually moved them to a different area of the emergency department, the ones that we more commonly use, which actually decreased our time to antibiotic administration. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's such a neat like thing that we're like kind of coming up with these concepts and ideas that help make patient care better. Is this mm -hmm. something that other hospitals are looking to us as a model for? I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> do we'll we, do we ever, ever get emails <laughs> from people asking us about what you guys are doing up there? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we get a lot of uh, emails throughout the system, and we have a, uh, when I say the system, I mean Henry Ford Health System. Yep. We have a um, system-wide sepsis um, mm. call at least oh, once okay. a month um, where all the people who are involved, um, kind of my uh, positions elsewhere and Colleen's positions elsewhere, um, get on the call and discuss different things that are going on in the health system. And I know some of our things, such as like our checklists and things like that, mm -hmm. have been adopted by other hospitals. That's, That's great. fantastic. It sounds like we're really moving forward with this kind of new process. How are the patients uh, benefiting from this or responding to our increased efforts? Well, I think the patients are doing better um, in general, as evidenced by our mortality rate. Another measure we look at um, very closely is what we call the readmission rate. So somebody who gets discharged from the hospital who has to come back for whatever reason in thir within 30 days and get readmitted. Um, and our readmission rate um, for sepsis is um, actually very good. It's about 14.5% for mm -hmm. 2020. The national okay. readmission rate's about 17%. Wow. And I think that's a testament to, yeah. like I said, arranging the follow-up care. Right. Um, we have community paramedics um, mm -hmm. in the community that see a lot of um, these people who kind of go back uh, a day or two later and follow up with them in their home mm. to say, we know when people get discharged from the hospital, we throw a lot of information at them. Yeah. And it can be very confusing, yeah. especially if you're not of the healthcare mind or have a lot of healthcare training. Yeah. Um, so they can go in, they can see the patient in their home, see if there's anything 
that maybe they didn't understand, make sure that they got their medications from the pharmacy um, and were able to afford them, things like that. And that's a service that we offer here in Jackson, or they just do that just to kind of further the care that they're giving to the patients? That's a uh, service that we offer in Jackson County um, through the hospital. And um, there's several diagnoses that um, should trigger a community paramedic gotcha. follow-up, and sepsis is one of them. Wow. That's great. I did not mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. That's cool It's that it's like a full community effort to kind of prevent right. this. Um, how does the, maybe the family's role of someone who has sepsis, how does that work into this, or what should they be doing? Well, the family's role is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, from the whole time uh, they're in the hospital and even beforehand, um, like I mentioned, all altered mental status or confusion is one of the Mm. first things or maybe the only thing we may see. And I tell patients all the time when they come to see me in the emergency department or I tell their family, I should say, hey, I just met your father or significant other or what have you two minutes ago. They seem normal to me, but I've just met them two minutes ago. How are they really acting? Mm -hmm. And so that information the family can provide is is very valuable. Um, And then being involved uh, with their care um, every step of the way, especially when it comes to the discharge and making sure that everything's arranged and having somebody for us as healthcare providers to go to and address concerns. We know a lot of times that patients just want to get out of the hospital and which we completely understand. Um, They have things to do and nobody really wants to be in the hospital all day, but making sure that they have all their needs at home and somebody can help them. How long is the recovery process for sepsis? Mm -hmm. Like if you get it, how about how long until you're technically like back to normal? It would vary person to person, mm-hmm. but I I would estimate the the what we call length of stay in the hospital mm-hmm. um, for somebody who's septic is probably about four days. Okay. Um, so that could be longer or shorter depending yep. on the person. Yep. Um, then once they get home, it really depends on how fast they recover, but um, it wouldn't be unheard of for it to be another week to two weeks at home care before they feel truly back to normal. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, so that is a, um, kind of like an investment that, you know, your family needs to make sure mm-hmm. that you're, once you're out of the hospital, it's not over yet. We still right. got a little bit of work to do to make sure they're back back mm-hmm. on their feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes when it's bad, I know from experience, it can last pretty long, especially in a, what, if it affects other organs or right. yeah. things Absolutely. like that. And you have to get transplants and it's a whole different <laughs> podcast right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great to be able to talk about something like this that sometimes doesn't get talked about enough right? and really can affect people yeah. if they don't take care of it. At our health fair that we did mm-hmm. last year, um, we had the sepsis team. We had a couple girls from the sepsis unit come, and they just really wanted to find more ways to educate the community mm-hmm. and to just start talking about what is sepsis. And so they had a booth set up and um, it was it was just really interesting. And they had quite a good turnout at their booth because mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I think people hear the word and then they don't really think too much about it. So the more mm-hmm. we can talk about it and continue to educate people, we can keep moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about today or are we all set? Um. I'm all set. I think okay. uh, it was a great conversation. And yeah. again, I appreciate you having me on and hopefully we can do this again. Yeah. yeah. It was really insightful. Yes. 
Thank so you. thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, if you would like to see more of these or listen to more of these, um, you can go to henryford.com slash podcast and see all of the old episodes that are on there. And there's some really interesting ones. Um, and hopefully we can get some more of these done pretty soon because mm-hmm. we've got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs>